Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Green Through. Here today with us, I'm pleased to be joined by Christian von Scheidt, who happens to be the co-founder of a startup called eNano. Simply put, eNano is a robotic startup that uses its um, cloud platform to measure, analyze, and feedback real-time data to uh, sports field managers and groundkeepers. I think that being said, Christian, I think it would be stu- suitable to start with a little introduction you got regarding your background in terms of academic and professionally speaking, and then we'll just take it from there. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much, Eric, for having me. Um, actually, I've been listening to your podcast the, couple last, the last two weeks, and this, they're actually very, very good. I hope <laughs> I can live up to the standards. I'm sure. I'm sure. Don't worry. I'm sure. We'll be um, thank you very much. Yeah. So a, a little background about myself. Um, I'm a mechanical and biomedical engineer. Uh, I have a master's in both. Um, I've been working in project management and business development most of my career. Um, I'm now almost over 30 years old, so uh, don't judge me on that. Um, so, yeah. So, sorry. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm working currently on Inano. Uh, we are trying to, we're developing, not trying to, we're developing robots for um sports fields first and agricultural environments to measure soil so um soil data and analyze it so we can actually help uh change practices and make it a more sustainable um scenario for the future right um more sustainable practices fair enough that's interesting and when i when i started sort of looking at the business model that you guys are trying to achieve it almost seemed as something that was I almost assume because obviously I'm I'm a football fanatic. I always assume that you know training pitches are there and that there are you know groundkeepers who look after them. But in terms of like the actual sort of mission that started started it for you guys, was it just because you thought okay maybe there was a better management that could come of it in terms of the the soil and environmental data, or it was just not interesting to see what sort of propelled the your mission there? So we we proposed this uh, we proposed this robot. For agriculture first actually okay. um and we stumbled across the overuse that was being done for football pitches sport pitches okay. golf pitches um golf courses sorry and we we realized that there was so much waste over there uh, around 30 percent is wasted but just because they want to keep that surfaces so clean and so um immaculate right absolutely and and that is the where, where players are, are, are going on into every Sunday and people view the field and has to be perfect, right? So there cannot be any mistakes. Right. And that is why they're overusing because they don't have the data to support Understood. That, that the reduction of the waste. Right. And they cannot take the chances. And do you think in order like to eventually, let's just say in, I don't know, X amount of years, right, to get to a stage where you know, whoever you'll be collaborating with in terms of sports, whether it's golf or football, for them to sort of reach that better use and efficiency of the grounds that they have available, they need to still obviously give it some, let's just say, um, like a pilot time, you know, in order to give it some time to see, okay, it takes, you know, X amount of days for, you know, this part of the pitch to um, sort of get to the best uh, stage and you know what I mean like it, it, there is there has to be a period of adjustment and um, and uh, and trial and error right um yes the the impact of taking care of the soil is not instant on the plant mm. uh, plant needs to regenerate uh, and and get healthier mm-hmm. and that they will get that through 
water from the soil by nutrients uh, and, and and getting rid of pests, for example. Um, and and, it, and it, yes, it will be an iterative process in which we in which they downgrade like downgrade the, the waste or the that they have on the field and say, okay, we just have to fine tune this. Um, and, and but they cannot do this without the data from the field, right? And and doing it manually today, it's extremely expensive and time consuming. So right, uh, we're thinking robotics is the next step to to addressing this issue. Right, and another sort of interesting aspect in terms of like efficiency, right, and like maximizing soil yield and output in terms of for whatever you need, whether it's agri mm -hmm. or sports wise. I want to ask you what role has sort of water head from that perspective in terms of like originating this issue in terms of inefficiency and you know because obviously this is quite from a, a gullible standpoint but water and robotics don't really go hand in hand you understand what i'm saying <laughs> so from your perspective it'll be more sort of getting the data and treating the ground eventually and water would be a separate sort of application right um yes we we're focusing on scouting so okay. our, our robot will give you all the data analyze it on the platform we have so and, and give you a digested view of what's going on in the field. Then what you do with that data, uh, it will be up to, to the to the manager and to the groundskeeper or, or the farmer in, in, to take advantage of. Right. Um, of course, we are we could in the future. Uh, let's put it as, a, as a supposition and a right. best case scenario, create a role that actually irrigates the field as we go through. Okay. But that's not in the plans today. Right. And but you haven't noticed sort of. <clears throat> sort of water usage and water management being one of the key drivers to sort of for whoever's interested in terms of stakeholders right for approaching you guys and sitting around a table right because water is always at the you know they call it the next gold in x amount of years because there isn't so much of it and we're sort mm -hmm. of treating it like an endless commodity which is not the case right yeah re yeah regarding that there's a there's a very good point you're making we are treating it, treating it as, a, as a commodity and there's uh, absolutely no endless amount of water to be used. And the point here being most of the sport fields have their own like uh, wells or, or their own um, places where they can get water from. So okay. the cost to get that is extremely low. Okay. And that it's, in itself is a problem because they are using around, let's put in an average of, let's say a seven to eight hectare field. Okay. Uh, horse tracks could be golf courses and could be like a multiple football fields, they would use around 8 million liters a year. Wow. To re yeah, that's a lot. Uh, to irrigate the field. Right. And they say, well, yes, but I don't care because I don't have costs on it. So I just pull it out of the well, throw it onto, onto the field, and it's perfect because uh, we keep on doing it. And we have permission to drill and, and to get out from the soil 25 million liter liters a year. So we're within standards. We're doing it fine. But they don't realize that this water they are taking out from the ground is ending up somewhere else, which is not not ideal, and and they're wasting it. Or right, they're wasting a percentage of it. I understand. So the, the, there is, but in terms of it, looking at from like I wouldn't say in terms of exploding, but from like a commercial standpoint, because at the end of the day, that is what we're here for, what you guys are here for. Um, there you see a lot of potential, right? In terms of like a, a significant opportunity to better use that, da uh, that data in terms of like water management and water usage for these people to eventually either allocate their capital elsewhere and sort of get more of what they have and also have the ecological slash uh, environmental um, impact, right? Yes, it's a combination of both, absolutely. Um, 
by using fertilizers, chemicals, and seeds, for example, in, in football fields um, more optimally, they can actually reduce costs. Um, plus, more, I would say a, a big percentage of, of the clubs don't have this wells, so they do, do spend a lot of money in, in water. So if we can combine the sustainability aspect and the ecological aspects into the cost saving and, the, and actually increasing the performance of the field is also key here. Right. You can have a very good watering of some part of the field and not so good another. Right, understood. So you would want to have the perfect performance on all, spot, on all spots. 100%. And I think like another interesting aspect of what you just mentioned is that obviously it comes down to sort of have that pilot stage, right? That trial and error and gate sort of having data and access to that sort of data, which translates into having time and resources. And I think following the pandemic, I'm focusing more on football because this is what I closely mm -hmm. follow, yeah. you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. But in terms of having this sort of exercise, you think that the clubs at the top, whether that may be because you guys are in England, whether that may be through the premiership or in the Premier League, do you think that if they set the right example, then it will trickle down in terms, okay, these are the best standards of, you know, you need to treat X amount of actors of a, of a pitch with, you know, these are the metrics, right? And then do you think that that sort of bespoke access to information can uh, facilitate a better use of, um, you know, the facilities at every club's disposal, not just the richest of the rich? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's, uh, there's a trend now that most, I'd say there's a, trend, a current trend that uh, most Premier League clubs are getting a sustainability management kind of approach. Okay. Some even have a sustainability um, like leader on right, the okay. team communication. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So they are trying to to improve how they take care. It's mostly directed into the stadium itself. Okay. But this could be really applied to how they take care of the fields as well. So it's it's a very very important kind of uh, step forward in that regard. Um, additionally, what we what we're trying to do and and I'll. Uh, expand a little bit more on, on what I was talking before about the, the iteration. What we're trying to do right now is have um, around October this year, a, tri a field trial on our customer and customers' locations. Okay. So we can create a white paper showing the impact of the solution. Okay. Uh, and, and, and the cost savings, the sustainability aspect, the impact and the performance impact of the solution. So we can actually say, hey, Look, this club, uh, hopefully we can close uh, one of the premiership teams we're um, talking with, uh, Premier League teams, yeah, talking with um, to be that trial partner. Um, this premiership, uh, Premier League club uh, has resulted in this type of results. So we could actually move this from top down, basically. Right. And uh, I mean, best of luck with uh, all your future endeavors. <laughs> and uh, in terms of like, the use in terms of like the primordial like let's just get to basics okay why the robots for example and not why drones right this is from again from a gullible standpoint i understand maybe the robots more in terms of application to sports because it's more sort of you know these are my facilities within this fence you know treat everything here but like you know when you start eventually if you know i hope that everything goes well for you guys further down the line but you start delving more into agriculture you know access to um, to fields you know it's um, it's a whole nother magnitude in terms of volume and i wanted to ask you you know why robots and uh, what are sort of the main strategic advantages with those as opposed to drones for example so um in that regard i don't see them as, a, as opposed to drones I don't okay think, 
think of the, I think they are complementary. I see them working. Okay. It could even work in like like swarm robotics in the future. Okay. Um, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's an idea we we've been toying with. So basically, what we see, uh, like, let's let's put an example, right? You have the drone that's looking at, up from above. You can yeah. see changes in um, density of crops, the color of crops, crops, sorry, and and you could actually have the robot working around measuring soil and when the drone spots a place where there's a change in color, change in density, it could send back the information to say, hey, this robot should take a course into going into this particular spot right now because there's a change that is worrisome. So the robot will Understood. go there, measure the soil, measure the uh, closer to the ground, report that and have the information ready available to take the decision for the farmer. That's uh, that's super interesting. So you think in terms of they could work in tandem, right? As in, yeah, you absolutely. look at the drone from afar, as a sorry from the top, saying, "Okay, go and you know treat this specific um, area of uh, of my land," and then sort of. But in terms of like access to data, how do they differ? In your in your opinion, do you think that your robots provide more sort of maybe data that's more pertinent to the farmer as opposed to like, for example, from a drone perspective, if it's more general data that could apply to somebody who might want to enter the industry later on in terms of having access to broader uh, data points as opposed to just not necessarily being too um, into the specifics, right? So yeah, yeah, I agree with that, that, that end statement. Drones have the ability to give a much broader view and a much quicker view of what's happening around the field, right? So I give you an overview of the color, the density, the yield that you will probably you can have on, on the field. And but by what what you cannot do is to take the measurement from the ground. You Understood. you won't see any drone going down, no, putting no, no, a of on the ground. It's impossible. If you want to have a, a view of what's happening beneath the soil, you need this type of scouting robots. Okay. Uh, it will give you a much more in detail understanding of what's happening underneath. Uh, water content again water content fertilizer pesticide content on the soil um that 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 is the essence of the of why a scouting robot right it's a it's a more detailed view of what's going on right and uh, sort of let's just summarize it briefly what are some yeah, of the, the key sort of metrics that you have at your disposal in terms of when you're sculpting the the soil and like in terms okay these are the categories that we look at and uh, you know we use this for X, Y, Z in terms of, you know, what are some of the main parameters that you look at in terms of soil performance and um, soil potential? So at, at the moment we are measuring water, uh, salinity, electroconductivity, pH, temperature, compaction of the soil and NDVI from, uh, from the robot's point of view. So okay. that's a combination of like a lot of sensing or a lot of sensors they can take on these measurements. Okay. Um, in the future, we can see also, and they are not ready available right now uh, because we, we don't manufacture our own sensors. We, we purchase them from, from a third party. Um, and there's one in particular that it's, that it's manufacturing carbon sensing on the, uh, on the go. Interesting, interesting. Uh, They're not ready yet or already available in the market yet. Uh, we will try to source one as soon as they have it ready. And there's also um, nitrogen, phosphate, and um, potassium sensors okay. that could also uh, that that would also have massive impact. We again, we don't have them on the robots yet, uh, but our idea is to include them in, in 
in the road in the future. Uh, one of the things we do have that is key to implement this in the future is we have developed an open-ended platform in the hardware side. Okay. So, sorry, this is a bit complicated. No, maybe, absolutely, it's but, fine. Uh, that, that enables us to get more sensors as we go and as okay. they are developed in the, in, by other companies. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And I think there was one particular thing that you said that sort of made me more curious. It's about, you know, seeing where we're going, right, in terms of we need to be more finely tuned with and in harmony with what we do, with just mm -hmm. the environment in general. Do you think that further down the line in terms of, you know, once you start refining sensors and access to certain technology that it's a complementary it can coexist with your robots do you think that the sort of co2 properties in terms of sequestration of the soil will be another additional sort of chink in your armor further down the line for um you know the marketability of your of enano in general yes absolutely completely uh completely agree with that um today there's a lot of companies working on um, assessing carbon sequestration from the ground, but they do it on the old school method of, let's take a sample, send it to a lab, analyze it, and see how much carbon content there is, and see that through time. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of incentives to do that as well uh, from governments. And I think the French government is putting a lot of effort into that. And the UK government is uh, about to roll out a new uh, farmer in incentive um, scheme that will also work on carbon sequestration and biodiversity. Right. So there's a, there's a real need for different technologies that can actually measure the carbon content in the soil and, and actually provide a live view basically of right. what's going on instead right. of, hey, I'll measure this once a year, send it back to the lab and check how I'm, good, I'm doing. And if I, I'm not doing well, well, yeah, let's see. Um, Fair enough, yeah. and uh, that's super interesting. I think it'll, it'll make for an interesting sort of discussion point when you, you just start looking at sports, you know, if your facilities that you have at your disposal, say you're a cricket club or a golf course or a football club, you know, if you're sort of, you know, a percentage or whatever, you know, in terms of, uh, I don't know what portion of your facilities can also serve and have a sort of social um intervention or social impact with the co2 co2 sequestration i think you know what i mean more people will even start gravitating towards football even if they weren't into it in terms from the sporting standpoint mm -hmm. but maybe from an ecological sort of um participation right yeah well in that regard there's a lot of um social impact from from this type of clubs saying hey we're sustainable makes the push to the general public to be more sustainable exactly absolutely that, right? Um, Absolutely, I can agree more. We've, we've also seen that the opposite is also true. Okay. Uh, when a lot of fan base has um, become, uh, particularly, let's, let's, I'm putting an example of golf clubs. Okay. Uh, where a lot of the players of that club are becoming more sustainable, they're pushing its club to be more sustainable in the way they, Understood. Handle, okay. they manage things. So Understood. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a two-way Kind of that's amazing let's just hope that it can get uh, to the right end to the end uh, to the right end goal but in terms of like the products that you have at your disposal you know would you get would you kindly be able to briefly summarize in terms of you know what you currently have and uh, what application do, do do those have and uh, yeah that's it okay okay so at the moment we are finishing the development well we finished the development of one robot and we have our testing phase uh that robot is called sprout it's a uh, main 
targeted sports fields. Okay. So we'll be testing that starting this late September, early October, and and that's the prime trial fields that I uh, prime trials I was talking about. Uh, the, the white paper, um, trying to develop that um, understanding of what's the impact of the robot in in a real case scenario. Um, that robot communicates with our platform called Oscar. Um, you can actually see all the live uh, work that the robot is doing. Uh, have a live report. Have the analytics from the field as they go through, and that makes the uh, ground manager be able to take the, the decisions on, on the go saying, oh, wait, the robot has told me that there's a problem here, 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 right. let's go take, take care of that. Um, we've also been working with a second robot. Um, we're researching that one. It's a, a bit on, on, on pre previous stage, let's call it that way. Okay. Um, that's called NanoAgro. Uh, okay. And that will have the um, aim of agriculture and environment. Right. So we are trying to have this robot first on, on the feet on the field having the, uh, sorry sprouted on the on, on the market by early 2022 so okay. we can actually focus on the development of nano agro later Perfect. Uh, after understood. that one understood the, yeah we, we're working with with some big organizations like uh, once appeared britain for example to see if, how this can impact their members um how we can actually have the soil uh, data available for for their members in, in the future as well so what was the name? Sorry, that I didn't quite get it. What was the name? Oh, it's a uh, wines of Great Britain. Actually, sustainable wines of Great Britain. It's oh, right, amazing. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And let's just say hypothetical game, because I understand that your current focus is on you know sports grounds, just in general, without specifying which sports. But um, further down the line, you must have sort of taken consideration, right? Because when you look at agri, it's mainly in developing countries that we're talking about right because i mean there is agriculture of course in england italy and you know but the bulk is from um developing countries depending on the atmosphere um and the latitude but i want to ask you, do you like since we're talking about robots here and in terms of having access to technology have you taken into consideration that you know you might be dealing with markets that don't have necessarily access to that technology and i want to ask you you know do you have some strategies in mind or do you think it will just apply to certain uh, aspects of a given economy and uh, yeah yeah so we aim to make the user interface and user experience as simple as possible right so people can access it when they do not have the access to the know-how okay or, or the, the the usual operation of this type of machinery uh we're targeting of course well of course not but our, tar our first target will be uh developed economies just because uh it's easier to penetrate them at a first stage for, sure. for this kind of robots, sure. yeah. For sure. But we know that um, that this is a like, if this works and this has the impact we we expect it to have, we will move into developing economies in the near future. Right. Um, but we also know that the adoption here will be slower and probably require a higher degree of validation from the um, from the first farmer. Right. Understood. Um, because it's a substantial investment and and. Yeah, and it, it's quite a, a change for, for developing economies. Uh, additionally, we have barriers to entry that we'll, we'll need to work through, uh, particularly social, cultural, regulatory, and, and language, of course, as well. So Absolutely. there's a lot of things to work out. Fair enough. I mean, what, that's what we're here for, right? For significant challenges and providing solutions to those. But I want to ask you um, one of the final thoughts that I had regarding your amazing project was that, you know, since... I like your ambition because you're trying to tackle two different spheres 
being sports and agriculture, but they're, they're sort of the common denominator is the better use and management of the land, right? Of the soil that you mm -hmm. have at your disposal. Absolutely. Since you're providing tr or trying to provide a solution for such an ambitious task, that means that obviously your platform being named Oscar, which is my brother's name, it's funny enough. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, um, in terms of like the, the eventual use for the user of your platform, right? The, the, the access in terms of data points would sort of be tailored according to, you know, if you're a groundkeeper of a, a local cricket club in London, as opposed to like uh, an eventual farmer in a developed economy, you understand like you, your platform would yeah. have to sort of facilitate access to mm -hmm. different data points, right? Depending on what your use for the platform is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we completely understand that there's, um, there's even a degree of, of change needed between different sports. There's not, it's not the same to have uh, okay. something for a football field, to have a golf course, to have a racetrack. Right, so understood. It's, uh, so it's different for each one. So right now we have a web app where you can actually get into from any device, uh, computer or mobile. Okay. So and, and, and in that regard, that, that part of the technology is addressed, but we will develop uh, dedicated apps for Android and Mac OS. So in, in that regard that that we've been working with um we in, in in but in regards to sorry uh a bit of in regards to um what sport or what agricultural field well that is something that we're in development of uh we are targeting football first as the, the biggest market of course first golf uh, with golf the second one will be golf uh because and and for that one we'll have to develop something very specific because the golf course um so much change. bigger right yeah so much bigger and the shape is quite irregular okay understood um for farms that that will be the next stage but we do have to address the fact that uh, farms will also be irregular mostly um the outer shape put it that way uh, okay. but they are more regular in terms of the way the rows or for example for vineyards the right. rows are, uh, are are located of course, you, more modular, uh, let's just say. Yeah, more modular, more regular as well. So right. it's, a, it's a point in between uh, football and golf. So we shouldn't have any issues tackling that as well. That's super uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what data will be shown, um, we are we're showing everything as a, as a heat map. Obviously, we're showing a lot of information as a heat map. So okay. that should not change um, the, the way that... The, um, the data is interpreted, interpreted and shown to the user. Right. Um, but yeah, we, yeah, we have that in mind and, and there, there will be some work in, in the middle between um, right. having the app ready for sports and the app ready for, uh, for farms and, and agriculture. That's super intriguing. Honestly, I can't wait to see, you know, the amazing guy, the work that you guys will come up with. And in terms of um, questions from the public, there were three that were selected. And um, mm -hmm. so the first one goes through the analysis of soil data. What do we know about the optimal atmospheric conditions for agriculture? And uh, in your opinion, to what extent can these conditions be controlled and regulated for the benefit of certain sports, which I think goes hand in hand with climate change, right? Because if we have access to mm -hmm. more to, let's just say more accurate uh, atmospheric conditions um, information points then you know the the groundkeepers can also sort of maximize the 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 rendering and the yield of their sport of their facilities right 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's a, it's a, it's a multi-layered question, right? Okay. So just say the simple answer in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so they'll so so we can actually um, have a lot of information from the soil. Uh, we can actually estimate uh, how the atmospheric condition has been in the past and how current atmospheric um, like environmental conditions can impact the current soil. Um, okay. So that being said, we cannot forecast what will happen on the like tomorrow's for weather forecast for sure. and, and and how how that would impact. Um, but we can, with the idea of what will happen in the next few days, um, take preemptive measures to not overwater or over fertilize okay, perfect. The, okay. the, the ground. That um, makes sense. Particularly because, for example, I, I'll just put an example of right. a granular fertilizer. Uh, granular fertilizer, if you water too much, some of it will um, drain through okay. with the water. Right. So you would want to have the applications a little more uh, controlled right. if possible to have the plants absorb the maximum capacity of it and, and not waste. Right, perfect. So, but do you conduct scenario analysis with your, with your, with your data? I know it's like, are you, in, are you connected? Because, sorry, I just had this question off the back of the one from the public, <laughs> but, you know, it's very interesting the point you made, because you're obviously, you're connected with, you know, say wherever you are and the date, the, um, the, the weather forecast says that in the next three days is going to be X, Y, Z in terms of weather. Do you take that into account when, um, or is it all live for you? Uh, we are all live. Okay. Uh, we provide that information to the user and the user will have to take the decision on okay, understood, what, understood. what we'll have in the next few days. Hopefully in the, in the future, we can develop an AI that will take that into consideration as well. Okay. Because I think that will just refine it even more, right? Eventually. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's an iterative work, right? We have the information from the soil, we take some decisions, we see how it goes um, and build the AI to say, okay, in the future, when this, this, this happens, you take this and this decision. So it's, it's all about training that, that artificial intelligence to be more um, effective responsive. in the future. Okay, yeah, perfect. responsive or effective in the future, yeah. Absolutely, and the second question, which I, um quite intrigued to hear your answer for it goes is data soil mapping necessary for urban areas as well as um, rural areas and why should urban dwellers heed developments in uh, soil data um oh yes hmm. we we could use for example london has a lot of big parks mm -hmm. we could use like more data to um take care of this particularly in the, the areas where a lot of sports are played in uh which requires some some degree of uh, management but to get to that stage uh, where we need we, where we go into such detail for an area that it's not for professional sports it will take some time um, right so i would say i would say it's necessary for the time being but always knowing more about the soil can make more sustainable decisions easier right Right, and let's just say a hypothetical question further underlined. Do you think there will be a certain metric that will sort of indicate and signal that you're dealing with uh, soil from a rural area as opposed to um, a, an urban area? Does that make sense? Like if, I don't know, the density is X, Y, Z, that means that, you know, this soil is necessarily found in central London as opposed to, I don't know, somewhere in the Cotswolds, for example, in England. Well, to some degree, you can do that um yeah I, I wouldn't be able to answer that to be honest no problem uh, 
it, it's uh, yeah, it's a complicated question. Um, <laughs> no, sorry, I just came up with you, it. Over here. No, no, you you can depending on the I don't I would I wouldn't say you can distinguish between central London and no, no, no of course, of course, of course, uh, Saint Albans, but you can actually distinguish between England and I don't know French uh, soil by the content of minerals or the content of um, or the percentages of, of different things in, in the ground. Right. You could do that. Uh, I, ideal scenario. Perfect. Okay. That's super interesting that you can gauge <laughs> the geographic location based on the analysis of the soil. And um, the last question goes, what are the best methods for assessing the impacts of ancient activities on soil? And how can we sort of possibly separate the modern and ancient impacts on soil from each other? Um, it's hard to assess what has been done like way behind, but we can change uh, current practices by having more data and making more uh, informed decisions. Um, if we, in an ideal future scenario, we can have much same machines, like one machine like ours, detect what's going on in the soil, have it informed to other machines, on, on how to treat the field um, or what, what would be needed in terms of water, fertilizer, pesticides um, to, to change this current practice and make it more automated um, and, and, and reduce the waste uh, of resources. Um, the impact from ancient activities is not something I'm very familiar with, uh, how to date them, but I'm sure, I'm sure you can um, assess what was the impact if you have a way to assess how the, the, the soil was, let's say, before we started working on that place. Um, but, but it would be hard. I, to be honest, not my area of experience. No, 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 I understand. It was at least definitely a good attempt in terms of approach. But I think <laughs> a concluding point I want to ask you, because there's a lot of emphasis in this sort of realm of focus on uh, regenerative agriculture and it's mm -hmm. all about layers right in terms of like yield and you know because you don't want to necessarily overwork the um, initial layer and the, so i think from that point of view that sort of is a spin-off of these questions right do you think that your data analysis and data management further down the line applied to soil will be focusing on layers as well right as in okay we, we've had this this and this based on seasons and stuff mm -hmm. yes yes absolutely uh Having the, the robot take the measurements all the time continuously will give you a view on how the things are evolving through time, through seasons, through different crops that we plant. Uh, if we were if we were doing like regenerative agriculture, um, and if we're and we could also view if we wanted to what the diversity biodiversity was on the top layer of the soil. Um, we can do something like that for now for sports. We are checking the um, health of the plants uh, of the grass, so. In the future, we could um, have a similar approach to see uh, what the different plants are on the on the on the top layer of the soil and assess how how well we're performing in, in the, those layers. Um, if I if, it, if I make myself clear. no 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 absolutely I understand and uh, I think obviously the concluding remarks sorry if I keep asking but it's super interesting <laughs> this um, this uh, this application of Mm -hmm. you know what you're trying to do in terms of robotics and um, i want to ask you since let's just play i don't want to be the devil's advocate but you know we're, we're heading towards a climate that's <laughs> ever that's ever more unpredictable and ever more um sort of not non 
like uncyclical, right? In the sense, because that's the whole mm -hmm. point of agriculture that we know what's coming and, you know, we can plan the agriculture accordingly. Do you think that for your guys, that for your guys' perspective, that sort of plays hand in hand, like it's perfect for you because, you know, it, it's playing into your, um, into what you're trying to do, right? Because having access to more data will inform whatever your interest is in terms of whether you're a groundkeeper or a farmer to mm -hmm. sort of be relying on technology as opposed to um, common practice, because obviously with the tipping points soon being reached in terms of climate, it's difficult, right? I don't like being benefited by this. Um, I know, I know. Uh, I know. Um, but, but yes, absolutely. So as I was mentioning before, there's a lot of regulations like coming in place and, and pushing us, trying to push this, um, tipping point backwards. So trying to Absolutely. go backwards in, in, that, in that regard. So yes, we're clearly benefited by, by these and, and the push to have more data and more sustainable operations uh, and changing current practices is, is a must. Again, it's, a, it's what the governments are aiming for and it's a must to go, to go into the future because we cannot keep treating the soil the same way we've been treating it for the last 10,000, 12,000 years. Um, Absolutely. The, the, the we we've been we've been going extensively even uh, every time we we want to feed more population we go extensive so we go into more, more lands instead of treating the lands we have better in order to produce more and that is i think will be the the key for this um the, the new if you want to call it agricultural revolution right Perfect. I think that's a good point to end it on. And uh, I wanted to thank you for your time and for the amazing work you guys are doing. And best of luck with everything that goes on at Inana going forward. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Eric. Th thank you very much for having me. Pleasure.